0: This is ESPN Radio.
1: Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Join the conversation on the Candy call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And you're going to want to roll with the winners on today's show, Amber, because we got huge news because James Harden's deciding that he wants to roll with the winners, and the Brooklyn Nets acquiesced to his trade demands. We heard grumblings earlier today. That James Harden wanted to be moved, but he was concerned with the optics given what happened in Houston over a year ago and how bad that looked. But uh, fortunately for him, his buddy Daryl Morey down with the Philadelphia 76ers was able to pull off a trade before today's 3 p.m. NBA trade deadline that sends James Harden and Paul Millsap down to the Philadelphia 76ers for two future first-round draft picks for Ben Simmons and Seth Curry along with Andre Drummond. So... My initial thoughts on this, Amber, was this is a deal that had to happen because it made too much sense not to. James Harden had had enough with the Brooklyn Nets and essentially with Kyrie Irving being unreliable, and he recognized that if he wants to compete for a championship, if he wants to get a ring like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had, Brooklyn wasn't the place for him to do it, and now he's going to join up with the guy that happens to be the favorite for the MVP this season in Joel Embiid, so... I open it up to you. What did you think about the initially when you first heard the trade?
2: Well, we'd been hearing that this might happen for the last few days, right? And you and I even discussed it yesterday. Then it was weird this morning when we were hearing that James Harden wasn't going to formally request a trade because he didn't want to look bad. He was afraid of the public backlash. And I was thinking, okay, but... You've given all the signals. You've put it all out there. We're all over ESPN Radio talking about how you want to trade. Everybody knows what's up. So if there's public backlash of you forcing yourself out of another franchise within a year's time... Then that's coming either way. And this has kind of become James Harden's thing, Chris, where, right, like if he's not going to win a chip right away, we're going to force out. Obviously, he was more patient in Houston, but now he's going to force himself out right away from this situation, something like 13 months after he got traded to Brooklyn because it wasn't working there. Does he do this again if it doesn't work in Philly if he opts in or signs an extension there? I don't know if this is just how James Harden is going to be, but this situation in Brooklyn has certainly become so murky that it was one that could not be navigated and relationships apparently could not be repaired. You saw James Harden. He didn't travel with the team to Washington when KD did. Like He wasn't even giving himself the opportunity to try to repair those relationships if there was some sort of conversation to be had amongst the megastars. So now you get to trade a disgruntled player for a disgruntled player. Neither of those guys currently committed to their previous franchises and so you swap them and I guess from the outside looking in it looks like both teams got better so it's a win from both teams the problem is like especially when it pertains to Ben Simmons is I don't exactly know what you're gonna get out of Ben Simmons are there going to be locker room issues there he hasn't played obviously in the while so what is is he going to be ready to go right away and we know that he was dealing with the mental health component of things as well so is he ready to go is he ready to try to help the Nets and actually help KD and Kyrie when he's available win a championship. A lot of this remains to be seen, but at least you got to move out of both of these pieces that very obviously needed to be moved.
1: Well, Amber, I think we'll find out as far as Ben Simmons' mental health, how serious that was based on how early we see him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Now, also keeping in mind that the Brooklyn Nets are an organization that believes in ramp-ups, especially with their superstar talent. So I don't know exactly the timeline that we're going to be able to expect Ben Simmons to be out there on the court. But the fact is that Brooklyn's going to need him. I mean, they've got a couple of road games coming up with the New York Knicks and with the Toronto Raptors. And both of those cities that those teams play in have ordinances that demand that players will be vaccinated. So Kyrie Irving's not even going to be able to play in those games. So they're going to need Ben Simmons sooner rather than later in order for this team to kind of get back where they want to be in terms of setting themselves up from a seating perspective to be able to go on a playoff run and try to compete for a championship, which is their ultimate objective. But in this trade, of course, James Harden is the big winner. Ben Simmons is a big winner. But you know who else is a big winner, Amber? Our very own Brian Windhorst, because he was the one that was saying that everything you heard surrounding the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets not being willing to trade those guys, not wanting to move off of Ben Simmons, the Nets not wanting to trade James Harden. We even heard Steve Nash say, we're not trading James Harden a couple of days ago. Sean Marks, the same thing. Brian Windhorst, our very own, said that that was all posturing, which was leading up to this moment, leading up to today, when we knew that Daryl Morey and Sean Marks would have a conversation and now we're starting to see the results of that because they were able to consummate a deal. Here's our very own Brian Windhorst, ESPN senior NBA writer, on what Harden's position ultimately ended up doing to create this situation.
3: As soon as James Harden decided he was going into Houston Harden mode, the Nets had no choice mm-hmm. because the, the risk that they had of Harden not playing his full ability this season versus the risk they had to make in this trade, it was unbalanced. It, it just had to happen. Right. And so I think they made an excellent deal. The Nets got there said, Philly, get your notebook out. It's going to be this, 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 and this. And they gave up a lot here. They gave up two first-round picks, which they're never going to get used in, by Brooklyn. They're going to get moved on. In fact, right now, Brooklyn is making and looking at making other deals. Mm. One of the reasons why they traded for Andre Drummond in this deal is because I think they're looking to trade uh, Nick Laxton their center maybe out. So there's other deals happening both in Philly and in Brooklyn.
1: And we'll have Brian Windhorst on the show at 4.30. He's going to join us and and give us more color, more insight into how this deal was consummated and then what's next for the Brooklyn Nets. But I I think this move for Brooklyn, Amber, is a hedge against what could potentially happen if Kyrie and KD don't deliver on the promise of a championship because you do bring over an all-NBA talent in Ben Simmons, a guy that's in his mid-20s, that's under contract for the next four seasons. So that's an incredible asset. That's a player that you can actually build around once KD and Kyrie phase out of their prime. So I think on its face, in terms of the fit on the court, it's probably a little bit better than what James Harden was bringing to the table. Even though you're losing a lot of offensive firepower, power, you're gaining somebody that's in the conversation for best defenders in the NBA. And then you're also talking about a guy that could facilitate the greatness of a lot of other players. Keeping in mind that last season, nobody set up more three point makes than Ben Simmons as far as assists go. So Ben Simmons, incredibly talented player, but I think it has to be the right supporting cast around him. And based on the early reviews and based on what we're hearing about how Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant have already had conversations, I think it has the potential to work out, not just with the rest of this season, but into 2022 and beyond. So I'm interested to see what this Brooklyn Nets team looks like after Sean Marks and Steve Nash continue to reshape it in the coming days. But I think this could ultimately end up being a win-win deal for both sides.
2: Well, assuming that Ben Simmons can get out there and play – then yeah this is going to be better for them than James Harden not because Ben Simmons is a better player because he ain't James Harden is a better player but James Harden was with the tightness and the hamstring and whatever's going on there I think we all really know James Harden was disgruntled and he was choosing not to play so yes having a Ben Simmons if he can actually play and actually contribute to that team is going to be more important than having a very disgruntled James Harden we know what a disgruntled James Harden looks like we all witnessed it when he was down in Houston that ain't gonna help anybody and it's certainly not gonna help that situation in the locker and the situation with Kyrie when he's only available a portion of the time. So at least now with Ben Simmons, you bring in, like you said, a young player who's hopefully excited to be there. And ESPN NBA insider Ramona Shelbourne says just that. Ben Simmons is happy about this one. Ben Simmons is thrilled. I mean, the the text message I've got this morning, finally. That's that is that is the word. And, um, you know, Ben's been working with a therapist off, you know, since since the fall when he got back to Philadelphia. He actually was working with somebody over the summer as well. Um, And there's going to take some time here. He's going to take his time to get acclimated in Brooklyn. He's going to still see his mental health therapist um, and take some time to just get his footing there in, in Brooklyn. But he couldn't be more thrilled. He's already talked to Kevin Durant can't wait to get going and and as we reported last week um he did choose to get vaccinated so mm. initially he wasn't but now he is and so that won't be a problem with New York's vaccination rules. So Chris, a, a happy Ben Simmons is better than a very very unhappy James Harden. No
1: doubt about it, but I think the situation went left with James Harden when Kyrie Irving proved himself to be unreliable and Amber this is going back to last year. It's not just about the the COVID vaccine mandate and Kyrie refusing to be vaccinated. But it's also about Kyrie going AWOL last year, showing up at a birthday party for his sister and his dad, and then showing up on a Zoom call for a candidate for the New York district attorney. Like Those are the types of things where I think James Harden is is assessing and saying, we have a player that's putting himself and his own interests ahead of our ultimate goal as a team, which is competing for a championship. And we know James Harden, former MVP, all-NBA performer, He's going to be judged. His legacy is going to depend on whether or not he's going to be able to get a ring. And so when you have a situation where the trust has devolved, even if guys come back healthy in the locker room and the vaccine mandate in the New York City area is lifted, there's no guarantee that James Harden was going to trust Kyrie Irving in terms of being able to depend on him to play his role in them being able to compete and win a championship. And so I think – That's what ultimately led to James Harden taking a hard stance and saying that he wanted out of Brooklyn because the organization softened their hard stance when it came to how they dealt with Kyrie Irving. The organization already decided we're going to kind of acquiesce to what Kyrie Irving wants to do, and James Harden wanted no parts of that.
2: That's fine. I think we can all understand the frustration there from James Harden. However, to counter your point, the only thing I would say in terms of James Harden's legacy is most dudes aren't traded three times in their prime. And that's what we've seen now with James Harden. Like, I don't know what that says about James Harden, but I will say that that is highly unusual when we're talking about one of the very best players in the entire league. So in terms of his legacy, like he better win a championship now with the 76ers and, and, Is it that easy? Do you walk in? Do you gel that well with Joel Embiid even if Maury's there and you're comfortable there? Like, I don't know. It ain't easy to win an NBA title. And if he doesn't win one, where does that legacy go? Like you said, of course, legacies in the NBA always hinge on winning championships. But again, most of these dudes that are this good do not have that component of being traded multiple times in their prime, even if they're forcing their way out of multiple franchises.
1: Well, we'll have what's next for the Brooklyn Nets, but first, a word from Indeed. Finding talent can leave you feeling like you need some hidden talent to get it all done. Don't fret, that's why there's Indeed. Just sponsor a job and they'll search through millions of resumes on their site to show you candidates that fit your job description. When you find a candidate you'd like to speak with, Indeed's All In on Hiring platform helps you Schedule virtual interviews and connect with applicants right from your employer dashboard. Hiring has never been more streamlined and simple. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. And Amber, right now, let's go out to the hotline and bring on New York Daily News Nets reporter Christian Winfield. And Christian, off the top, we got to ask you because we heard that this deal wasn't going to happen from the Nets brass but then ultimately we, we, we get the news around one that the Brooklyn Nets are dealing James Harden and Paul Millsap down to the 76ers in exchange for a package of players and picks. And at the center of that deal is Ben Simmons. How did this come about? What was the conversation like between Daryl Morey and Sean Marks in order to get this done? Well, the writing
0: was on the wall, you know, when James Harden started sitting games with left hamstring tightness. Once you saw him go for 2-for-11 shooting in Sacramento, uh, he just kind of looked really disinterested in that game, and we haven't seen him on the floor since then. Uh, and then you start seeing the reports coming out of Philadelphia. And, I mean, the the Sixers haven't really hid their intentions. They've made it known that they've wanted James Harden in town. And who could blame them? If you can put James Harden uh, next to Joel Embiid, I mean, that's as tough a duo as you're going to be able to stop, as you'll find in the NBA. But it, it really came down to what the asking price was. The, the Sixers were in some – Position of leverage, some might say, because of James Harden's current contract, he was able to opt out this summer and become a free agent. And the Nets didn't truly believe that they had, you know, the the chance to re-sign him in free agency, especially given his uh, history with Daryl Morey. So it became just a bargaining thing, right at that point. And you know, the Sixers were, as you saw, they didn't want to give up Tyrese Maxey, they didn't want to give up Matisse Thybul, and it came down to, oh, well, what are the Nets going to be able to get? And when you look at what they got in return. You know, it kind of it kind of morphs what type of team you have here in Brooklyn. At one point, uh, or for the large majority of the time that this big three has been together, we've looked at this team as an offensive juggernaut. They're a threat to go out and score 140. Now you're bringing in Ben Simmons, you're bringing in Andre Drummond, and you're kind of reshaping what you thought this team would be because you're, you're assuming that Ben Simmons is going to come back at some point soon and be healthy and be that defensive juggernaut that we know him to be. And on top of that, he's going to be a guy that pushes the pace. You know, Ben Simmons is a guy who, who – get up and down the floor. And when you watch James Harden play, yes, he's talented, he's gifted, but he plays it kind of like a snail's pace. He slows everything down. So we're going to see a completely different style of Nets basketball. We're going to see a different style of Sixers basketball. Um, And then you also look at those two draft picks that the Nets were able to get uh, I was under the impression that they were going to be making another deal uh, ahead of this 3 p.m. trade deadline. I know the deadline's passed. I don't know if their paperwork is dragging or whatnot or if it's not going to happen until the offseason. But now the Nets have some more flexibility in terms of those trades, in terms of those those picks. And um, they, it's, it's going to be an, a, an interesting route here for Steve Nash, right, because for, for so much of the season – He's been kind of, I don't want to say he's been able to coast, but when you've got James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, there's only but so much coaching you really have to do. Those guys are going to go out there and win the game for you. Now he's going to have to really put on his head coaching cap and figure out how to make all these pieces work. We don't know if Kyrie Irving is going to be able to play all these home games or any home games at all. And now you're looking at Ben Simmons, you're looking at having a bunch of different other guys. You don't know what Joe Harris' status is for the season, if he's going to have to get another surgery or if he's coming back. So that makes the addition of Seth Curry that more important. But we're going to see what kind of head coach we've got in Steve Nash, for sure, in these next couple of weeks and months because it's going to take a lot of tinkering in terms of the roster, in terms of rotation, in terms of everything that he struggled doing this season to get the best out of this team heading into the All-Star break.
2: New York Daily News, Nets reporter Christian Winfield joining Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So Christian, 13 months, 16 games, 364 minutes together. That was the big three era for the Brooklyn Nets. What are you going to remember about the big three era most?
0: I'm going to remember Kyrie Irving landing on Giannis Antetokounmpo's Kupo's ankle and the series going down the toilet from there. If Kyrie doesn't get hurt, in that game, I was out there in Milwaukee. As soon as he landed on on Giannis foot, you knew it was bad, uh, and you knew that the Nets didn't really. It, it just became a numbers game at that point. The 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 Nets have J, have Kevin Durant and James Harden on one hamstring, and the Bucks are fully loaded. I knew at that point, and, and to Kevin Durant's credit, he he almost pulled it off. Right, the Nets had a, a, a small window to to get this done, and, and unfortunately, it was they weren't able to seal the deal last year, and then the vaccine mandate hits and that's when Kyrie Irving becomes ineligible. And then you're also kind of watching the regression of James Harden this season as well, you know. You just look at his stats, 22.5 points. He's shooting the worst field goal percentage of his rookie year, worst three-point percentage in his career, averaging almost five turnovers a game. Um, This has not been MVP caliber Harden and you know some might say that he's been playing this way in in an effort to force his way out of of Brooklyn I don't buy that I think we've seen a legitimate regression so you know a lot of things have kind of gone wrong but at the same time it's kind of this is going to be one of the the biggest what-if scenarios of all time because I was in Chicago when James Harden Kevin Durant and Kyrie Urban beat the Bulls by 26 points and they looked like the best team in the conference at that point, and, and you don't double down on that at that point and keep that group together. We don't know what's coming with these vaccine mandates in New York City, right? Some, and this stuff is fluid; it could change by day. And we're looking at a situation where potentially in two months Kyrie's able to play, and now James Harden's in Philly. And if you compare these two rosters, I mean, sure, having James Harden and, and Joel Embiid on the same floor is, is is tough. That's a tough team to beat. But these Nets are, are, once they get it together, if they get it together, that's also going to be a tough team to beat. So I think both teams are, are in a way, better, I don't want to say better off because I think the Nets would love to still have their big three, but they've got a little bit more flexibility with what they're able to do both on both ends of the floor and with the rest of the roster. So if any, if I'm taking anything away from this time that Harden's been here, it's, it's really what if. If he would have stayed and, and stayed the course, you know, I think the Nets still would have had as good a chance of any team as winning the championship.
1: Christian, I know this deal went down a couple of hours ago, but there's already been speculation about when we're going to see Ben Simmons. Have you heard anything from the Nets and internally what they're thinking about a timeline for Ben Simmons to be on the court in uniform?
0: No, I haven't heard anything from the Nets. I've seen uh, what I believe Ramona Shelburne reported about, you know, him still working through his, his his mental health issues and, and trying to pinpoint a day to come back. I mean, Let's call the spade a spade. If Ben Simmons would suit up tomorrow or, or tonight or whatever the next game is, if he was to suit up for Miami two days from now, then the Sixers would be looking at him crazy. Like, hold on, you had mental health issues this whole year, and now you're all of a sudden ready to, to play. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't think that would that would be a good look. But at the same time, you know, Ben Simmons just got vaccinated not too long ago, right? So that that leads me to believe that he's he's getting ready to play. And if he, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd say, hey, if Kevin Durant is coming back after the All Star break, I'd pinpoint after the All Star break is when we see Ben Simmons on the floor in Brooklyn.
1: All right. Well, we appreciate a few minutes, Christian. Thanks for jumping on the show with us and giving us some insight into this deal getting done today between the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Blockbuster with Ben Simmons coming up the turnpike to Brooklyn and James Harden linking up with his old buddy, Daryl Morey. Appreciate you, Christian. My oh, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Coming up next, we'll have more reaction on the NBA trade deadline, but we also get to talk to one of the most explosive players in the NFL. He joins the show next. This is Amber Wilson, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio, back after this. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We want you to chime in on the, on the call in line. On who won the Nets in 76ers trade, the numbers eight 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 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. But we'll have to table the NBA trade deadline talk for this segment because, Amber, we're going out to the hotline to bring on San Francisco 49ers all-pro wide receiver Debo Samuel. And, Debo, I know it's got to feel good to hear that all-pro attached to your name. You took a huge leap in year three. And I wanted to ask you, what was the biggest difference – in the season this year that you were able to put together as opposed to your first two years in the NFL?
4: Um, my first two years, I was I was more of a, a a gadget guy. And then the second year, I was putting in the work to become the guy that I became uh, this year. But uh fell up short because I, I was dealing with a lot of injuries. I broke my foot that, that summer preparing. And uh, as the season went on, I'm trying to fight through injury and uh, just pull a hamstring. So I really wasn't able to you know what I'm saying, get back to what I really was doing. So this past off season, you know, I was more focused on getting my body right, running routes, staying in shape. And when, once the season started, I was in the best shape that I've ever been playing
2: yeah and it showed it absolutely showed out there this season you know Debo there's been no confirmation from your team yet that the Niners are moving on from Jimmy G we know about all that those rumors and whatnot but I I do want to ask you about Trey Lance assuming he is your guy moving forward give us some thoughts on Trey Lance
4: Um, me personally uh, I spoke spoke on this yesterday but uh, I feel like once Trey realized how to be a pro and uh this offseason season is it's gonna be big for him, which is big for a lot of people, but with time come greatness and um I think uh, once Trey get it down and, and get a glimpse of what it takes to be a pro and just be the guy that the team lean on in critical situations, uh, I think Trey'll be a good quarterback for us.
1: Debo, anytime your team has success, obviously people want to, around the National Football League want to poach from your coaching staff. Your offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel just got hired as the head coach. Of the Miami Dolphins, what can Dolphins fans and what can NFL fans expect to see from Mike McDaniel's in that offense down there in Miami?
4: I mean, uh, the guy the guy's a, a, a great a great person before anything. So uh, first of all, you, you're gonna get a great person. and One thing I, I want to mention that he's going to demand the best out of out of everybody around him, not just the coaches, not just the players or the owners. It's just everybody. He just has that effect. And um, when it comes to the game, I mean, he, as you can see, the stuff that he put together and the things that he put together for the offense to make us go, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy.
2: As a Dolphins fan, I very much like to hear that Debo, Uh, Debo, Debo Samuel on with us, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN radio. So Debo, the, the Los Angeles Rams, you traditionally, you had their number things changed there in the conference championship. Of course, give us your assessment of that team for this matchup coming up on Sunday.
4: Uh for I mean it it always gonna start up front um on the defensive line. Like if you can't contain those guys, I don't I don't think you have a chance of winning and then how, how well their offense is moving right now, it's just it's just crazy to stop. It's just hard to stop. But uh the defense I mean the uh the Bengals has some firepower as well on offense as well. Those those receivers that they have and the uh, that great running back that they have. I mean it's gonna be a battle but uh I, I'm gonna go with the Rams on this one. And
1: Debo, that's exactly where I wanted to go. You you might be a professional at this once you get done with your playing career because you guys fought the Bengals in an overtime win that you guys had in Cincinnati. That defense that the Bengals are bringing to the table has been really underrated in terms of what they've done in the second half of this season. What makes that unit effective and why have they been able to have this kind of success in the playoffs?
4: I mean, it just—I it, it, mean, defense wins the game. So without defense, you're not going to win. But they—they've been putting on a pretty good show. So once they defense are, are clicking the way they've been clicking, and then you got those—you got the, the T Higgins, the Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and you know, big play Joe Burrow. I mean, you—it's it, just hard to stop. I think this is going to be a good game, though.
2: I want to circle back, Debo, to your team. I asked you about Trey Lance. We don't know what the future necessarily holds for Jimmy G, but do you think that he gets enough respect? Go ahead and speak on your quarterback for a minute.
4: Uh, you talking about Jimmy? Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think he get enough respect. Uh, if, if we if we want to talk numbers, we can go back to uh, last season. The only active ex- quarterback that was playing last season that got a better win percentage than Jimmy is Tom Brady. I mean, if if Bill Belichick didn't think Jimmy G was a winner, he wouldn't have drafted the guy. I can just go back to them, but not too many people know what Jimmy was going through this past season with his thumb and his shoulder, and that's why. Uh, Every time somebody would say something about Jimmy in the media, you'd see the players back him up because little bit they know what Jimmy was going through. He just, he just put it all out there for the team and whatever, whatever it takes to win.
1: D- Debo, in the NFL, teams show players how much they respect them by how they pay them. You've just completed your third year. You're eligible for a contract extension. You're coming off of an all-pro caliber season. Has that been on your mind in terms of what the organization is going to do or, or them coming to you with a contract extension this offseason?
4: I ain't put too much thought in it uh, because I, I I know the organization and I know the type of guys that we have there. So, um, I mean, we're going to let all the kids fall where they lay. My agent has been in contact and they've been in contact. So we just, uh, I don't want to worry about that. I just let them handle their business.
2: Debo Samuel on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN radio. So you mentioned, of course, that this is the best shape this season that you've ever been in. And it absolutely showed on that field moving forward. What are the goals, the personal goals? I'm not talking about winning a Super Bowl, but personal goals for Debo Samuel moving forward in terms of your career?
4: Um, honestly, I, I've never really got to set goals of what I'm going to do on the field. I've um, always been a guy to just go out there and play the game, so I look at it like this. If you if you set goals and you you urging yourself to do it, that, that's when injuries happen, when you're so desperate to get something done and you you over- you overly work your body to get it done. I think that's when injuries happen. But I've never been a guy to take those. So.
1: Debo, I know you're joining us on behalf of Procter and Gamble. Can you tell us more about your partnership with them? And what are you doing this weekend? Where can fans meet you this weekend?
4: Oh, they can meet me Saturday at a NFL Experience. We having a uh, P and G is having a, a big carnival. I'll be present at 7:30. So I encourage everybody that want to meet me to come out. But not only that. Uh, we have games and prizes you can win. So I encourage everybody to come out and have a good time.
1: Well, Debo, we appreciate a few moments. Thanks for jumping on with Amber and I. Best of luck moving forward, and I hope you get that bag this off season. Thank you. That is all-pro wide receiver for the 49ers, Debo Samuel Jordan, Amber Wilson, and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. You gave
3: him the floor
2: to shoot his shot for that bag. I did, he, he took I the did. PC approach. You know, I my pee my agent, he's going to handle it. You gave him the floor. You were trying to give him an opportunity yeah. there. I'm he just saying, the
1: guy plays wide receiver like, like, like a linebacker. I mean, it's unbelievable the level of violence and physicality that he's coming to the table with. He is truly one of one. And he deserves to be paid like at this offseason because he's a guy that plays through injury. He, he He's a do-everything type of guy. And he makes every everybody on that offense so much better based on the skill set he's bringing to the table. I feel like I'm doing a better job advocating for him than he is for himself. I think but, I think
2: he owes you a percentage. You know, well, he might, you no, might need, I, to, he might need I, to split that commission. Listen, with the, his listen agent.
1: Amber, if he offers it to me, I'm not going to turn down nothing but my collar. But... Debo earned it based on what he did on the field this season, and the tape is your resume, as every NFL player knows. But coming up next, the Lakers didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. Is their superstar LeBron James happy about where this team is? We'll have the answer for you. This is Amber Wilson, Chris Canney, ESPN Radio, back after this. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We're trying to figure out who won the Nets 76ers trade, and we want you guys to chime in on a canny calling line, 888-SAY-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. And, Amber, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And we got to get into the Los Angeles Lakers, who, unlike the Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers and other teams that view themselves as a contender, they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, and we knew that it would be next to impossible for them to get off of the Russell Westbrook contract because there's a player option for 2022-2023 that Westbrook would get $47 million for. And there really aren't a whole lot in the way of tradable assets that the Los Angeles Lakers would have. And we've heard that that organization internally does not want to part ways with their 2027 first-round draft pick. So as constructed, do you think the Lakers can get this season turned around? Because it sure didn't feel like it last night watching that loss to the Trailblazers.
2: Does it make any sense to you that they don't want to trade away that 2027 first-rounder? I, I don't quite no, understand that No, no, that doesn't that make position. any sense.
1: We're talking I, about a kid that's probably in middle school, right? 2077 20, yeah. 20, first-round <laughs> pick? I mean, that's what,
2: probably true. What, and, I
1: mean, what, what What are we doing? I mean, if you've gone all in on LeBron and AD, you might as well see it through to the end. We've talked about how LeBron isn't the same player that he was a couple of years ago down in the NBA bubble. It would make sense if you're the Lakers – to try to maximize what you're going to get from that duo that you have because you don't have a big three as constituted. Russell Westbrook is an afterthought. The jokes in L.A. are that the big three are A.D., LeBron, and Malik Monk. So Westbrook has proven himself to be unplayable in crunch time minutes, so it doesn't make sense to sit on your hands at the trade deadline, even if it means making moves within the margins of your team to get marginally better. And I felt like the Lakers owed it to themselves to do that. The fact that they didn't, I think, is going to lead to more frustration from not only the fans, but from the Lakers themselves.
2: I have a hard time believing it because it doesn't make sense to me. You've already mortgaged your future, bringing AD and and getting LeBron. This is a win-now type of team. We know that. I mean, the window from LeBron, it's not going to last forever, even if he is still playing at this unbelievable level at his age. So I don't quite understand the position there. I also wonder what the market was for anything that the Lakers have with or without that draft pick in terms of its inclusion frankly and I think it probably wasn't a very good one and I understand the Lakers saying well we're not going to make a trade if we're not going to get anything out of it and if we're not going to get any better and maybe those were the only options that they were facing so now they're in a really difficult position Chris because their only move is to bench Russell Westbrook like that is the move if we bench Russ will somehow win games and that ain't the truth and that's certainly not how it's going here Even just LeBron and AD out there. They're not able to get it done. It's not enough firepower. It's not enough firepower against a Blazers team where nobody's playing on that team whatsoever. I mean, that was unbelievable to watch. And frankly, I think we keep talking about Russell Westbrook. He's stealing all of the headlines, and I understand why. But I'm one who tends to be pretty critical here of Anthony Davis when he Mm. is out there and healthy. And that's a big win, Chris. Let's be real about that. I mean, this is the dude who was brought in to help LeBron age gracefully, and LeBron is hitting a point in his career where he is actually finally suffering injuries and whatnot. It can't necessarily always be available playing at this level, and AD not being available is a big problem, but even when he is available, like against the Blazers, he disappears in the fourth quarter, even though he played practically that entire game. It's just not enough to get it done, and I know people are saying this Lakers team, you know, this is the worst team LeBron's been on. Well, you have a very short memory of are saying that, because I don't know what you're <laughs> <laughs> Did you already forget about like those 2018-2019 Lakers with LeBron's first year in, in Los Angeles? But that was different, I guess, because... At least LeBron knew that was a building year. He had a bunch of young pieces around him. He was going to take that off season off, or the the postseason off for the first time in in over a decade or whatever absurd number it was that he'd been in the postseason. He was going to be on easy street, and then they were going to make a trade. So he knew they were building towards something. The difference with this season, Chris, is there's no easy answer, and I don't know what you're building towards if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, but it doesn't feel, unfortunately, like you're building towards another championship.
1: Well, Amber, let's hear from LeBron James because he had some very pointed comments after that game, that loss to the Blazers last night. You know, it's just something that's weighing on this group that we're trying to all, you know, get through. You know, it almost feels like it's, um, you know, like fog. You know, just fog in the air, and we're all trying to see what's on the other side of it. I'm literally just, I'm I'm tired as hell right now. I just want to, like... Get some wine and get into bed and and, and wake up tomorrow and feel good about what what tomorrow has in store. I just hate that where we are right now, and it hasn't kind of worked out that way um, two-thirds of the season. And that's straight talk wireless. No contract, no compromise. And Amber, that's LeBron James giving it to you straight no chaser because as bad as that performance looked on the court, I thought the optics from LeBron and AD in the postgame press conference were worse because that's clearly a group and that's a superstar player that has no answers in terms of how to get this thing fixed as constituted. And I think that fog that he's talking about is the trade deadline. And they were hoping that on the other side of it, they could see a path to this team being able to add some pieces that would make them or put them in better position to be able to compete. And clearly the Russell Westbrook experiment hasn't worked out. And now you're going to have to deal with that hanging over the team for the entirety of the regular season. Right now with with this team – Amber, I'd be shocked if they were able to be a top six team in the Western Conference. I think they're going to have to confine themselves to being in the play-in game like they were last year, which is a huge disappointment
2: for all Lakers fans that is so rough that you have them a possibility of not even making the playoffs, but I don't blame you right now where they're sitting at under 500. And that is the most depressing sound I've ever heard. Chris Canty. like that might be legit. The most depressing sound I've ever heard. I thought LeBron was about to cry in that sound. <laughs> I have heard a salty LeBron James in the past. I have heard a, a defeated LeBron James in the past, but that was another level of sad that we just heard from LeBron James. He was feeling that from the depths of his soul.
1: Yeah, that loss was so bad, it just makes you want to drink. And LeBron let us know that. And unfortunately, I feel like we're in store for a lot more of that as Lakers fans. But coming up next, what does it say about Brooklyn that Harden wanted out? Amber Wilson and I have the answer for you.